All right, good morning. Uh, I'll begin this morning by telling you something about myself, um, and that's that I am a competitive person. Uh, I like competition, and in particular, I like sports. Uh, I like to watch them, but I also like to play them. And growing up, that meant that if someone, you know, they wanted to toss a football around or they wanted to go play street hockey, I'd be the first one to jump in and join in the activity. Uh, for various reasons, I didn't get to play a lot of organized sports growing up uh, until about junior high when I did join a basketball team, and I played that for a few years. But, you know, the sports I always really wanted to play were either football or hockey, and I didn't get that opportunity, at least not until my grade 12 year. And in grade 12 there was a group of guys in Airdrie from one of the local churches that started up a rec league. And they said, why don't you come play with us once a week? And I said, okay, that sounds fun. Um, this is what I've always wanted to do. But I was also pretty nervous because we live in Canada and Canada loves hockey. And that means that a lot of these guys had been playing hockey for a long time. You know, since they were this big, they'd been on skates, they'd been practicing what to do, and I hadn't done any of that, right? I did know how to skate, uh, so I had that going for me, but that was about it. So I was excited but nervous, and I remember my first game. First shift, I step onto the ice. My team's got the puck, so I skate towards the net, and right as I get to the net, teammate takes a shot, there's a rebound off the goalie, the puck just sits there in the crease, and I tap it in. I scored a goal like... 10 seconds into my first hockey shift. It was a good moment. I was excited. But that's about where my luck ran out. I played hockey with these guys for two years, and I'm fairly confident that was my only goal. Uh, I'm not sure if I had another shot on net or not those next two years. So it started well, didn't, didn't end as well. Um, and it was hard for me a lot of nights, because we'd get back to the locker room, and the other guys would be like, I scored two hat tricks tonight. Uh, there's a lot of goals scored in this league, right? They'd score three goals, six goals, whatever. And here I am, and I'm like, I haven't scored for two years. And so it was frustrating to me, and I think it was probably a little frustrating to the players around me, because not only could I not score goals... But I didn't know what I was doing. Um, there's a lot of other parts to hockey too, right? When the other team has the puck, who are you supposed to cover? Where are you supposed to be? I didn't know any of that. And so I'm sure I was in the wrong places, frustrating my teammates. And the fact is, I didn't know what was expected of me. And so eventually, I gave it up. I decided, okay, that was fun for a bit, but I think I'm done. That was until, I think, about four years ago, when one day I was looking at my hockey bag, and I said, ah, maybe I want to give that another try. And I looked, and I discovered that there's actually these programs for adults that have never played hockey before, where you can go and you can learn with other adults who are in the same situation. And I thought, that sounds a lot better, so I'll give that a try. And so I went, and they taught us the fundamentals. They said, this is where you need to be. This is how you shoot. This is how you do all these different things. 
And so I'm still playing hockey with many of these same guys that I started with four years ago. Um, last night I was out till 1.30 playing hockey because that's apparently when you play men's hockey. And, and it's different now. I'm still not the best player in the world. Um, there's a lot of guys that are way better than me. But it's a lot more fun now and a lot less frustrating, again, both for me and the people around me, because I know what's expected of me. Maybe I don't do it perfectly all the time, but I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what my teammates want me to be doing. And it makes a world of difference. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's similar when it comes to life and when it comes to my relationship with God. There are times when I know what God wants from me, and there are times when I don't know what he expects from me. This can be especially true when it comes to things like career decisions, or when it comes to a difficult moral dilemma, or a difficult relationship. In some of those situations, it's pretty obvious. This thing's right, this thing's wrong. But there's a whole bunch of other situations where it's a lot more complex. And you know, as a Christian, I really do believe that God is the creator, that God is our savior, and that as such, God's ways are best. And if we were to live the way that God wants us to live, then the world would be a lot better off. But I don't always know what that looks like. Yes, God's ways are best, but how do I know God's ways in the middle of complex life situations? So I have this desire to know what God expects of me. Maybe another way of saying that is is to say that I have a desire to hear from God, to have him speak to me. And I think underneath that, there's also this desire just to know God. If you can relate to any of those questions, any of those wonderings, I hope you'll, you'll stay with me here and walk with me through the next few minutes, and let's try to look for some answers to these things. Let's start by reading from the book of 2 Peter. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. It says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy spirit. So what Peter's telling us is that the words we have in scripture are not only human words. Instead, there were humans who were, who were spoken to by God and that were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We would read something similar if we were to go to 1 Timothy 3.16. There Paul tells us that all scripture is inspired by God 
Or if you have a different translation, it might say that Scripture is God-breathed. But the idea in both cases is that Scripture is God's words to us. Scripture is God's revelation of himself. And so if we want to know what God is saying to us, if we want to know what God expects of us, well, then it seems like a good place to start is with his words. And so Peter and Paul, as they so frequently do, they urge their listeners to pay attention to Scripture. They tell us that it's important if we want to hear God's voice. And that learning God's word is going to help us understand what God expects of us. Not only that, it will help us understand what God is like. And perhaps, ultimately, it will allow us to know God personally. I want to stop for a minute to make a distinction that may or may not be obvious to us already. But I want to make it clear that knowing about someone is not the same thing as knowing someone. And so, for example, a few years back, there was this biography of Steve Jobs that came out, and it was quite a thick book. And I read it. And so I learned a lot of things about Steve Jobs. But if someone had asked me, or someone was still to ask me, do I know Steve Jobs? Well, the answer is no. I've never met him. I can't say that I know him. So knowing about someone is not the same thing as knowing them. But at the same time, I do believe that they're connected. And so before we were married, when I was dating Rochelle, we spent a lot of time learning about each other. We would ask each other questions. I would learn her favorite color. I would learn her favorite dessert. I would learn what she thinks about philosophy. And again, just because I knew these things didn't mean that I knew her. I found these things out in relationship, but I could have also found out at least some of the same things by looking on her Instagram or by asking her friends questions. So knowing about her didn't require knowing her. But at the same time, if you were to come to me and you were to start asking me questions about my wife and I couldn't tell you the answer to any of them, if I didn't know her favorite color, if I didn't know what her birthday was, if I didn't know certain things, and you kept asking these questions and I couldn't answer any of them, well, it'd probably be fair for you to start wondering whether I actually knew her or not. There is a connection between the two, even if the two are not the same. And I think the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to looking at Scripture. There's different ways that we can read Scripture. We can start by just analyzing the text. Uh, I can go and I can say, hey, what's the structure of this verse or of the book I'm reading? What's its genre? Uh, Maybe I'll go get my Greek Bible. I'll start looking at some Greek words and really doing word studies on them. And I can learn lots of things about God that way. 
But the truth is, anyone can do that. You don't have to believe in God to do that. You don't have to be seeking to know God to do that. And even as uh, a former Bible college student, now a seminary student, or perhaps someone sitting in a Bible study, we can begin to look at the Bible and it becomes a textbook. And so, yes, we look at it, we read it, we study it. But there's this temptation for it to just be academic, for it just to be gaining knowledge, and for it not to bring us closer to God. Now, to be very clear, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing to read the Bible in this way. In fact, many times, these are the times that God does speak to me through a scripture and does draw me close to him. It's as I'm studying some technical detail of scripture, and it helps me to further understand some aspect of God's character, for example. And so perhaps as I'm doing a word study or as I'm doing some other analysis of the text, it helps me to further understand that God is a God of love. And in the middle of that, God starts to speak to me about how he loves me personally. And so as I learn about scripture and I learn about God through scripture, that's very important. But as before, it's not the whole thing. There needs to be something more. And so what is that something more? Well, we could look at Psalm 119. This is Psalm 119, verse 97. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it. All day long. So this is from Psalm 119. Super long chapter. And really what Psalm 119 is, if you were to go and read it, is you would see that it's a love song to God's word. It's filled with phrases just like these two here. Phrases that speak about meditating on God's word and phrases that indicate the joy, excitement, love that the author has for God's word. And it's apparent throughout Psalm 119 and throughout scripture that this love or delight for scripture is not just something that this psalmist has, but it's something that we can have and should have as well. And so we are to meditate on scripture. Well, then what is meditating? It's not something I'm super familiar with. And so I went and I, I did the analytical thing this week. I went and I opened some books and I studied the words and I'm definitely not a Hebrew scholar. I don't know the Hebrew language, um, but there's some tools out there that I was still able to use. And they gave me some definitions. They said there's two words for meditation that are used throughout this psalm and throughout the Old Testament. Um, But for both of them, the basic meaning in English would be something like to ponder. Um, To think about and to repeat over and over, perhaps even to speak out loud. But the idea is to ponder or as one... um, One resource put it, it said it's the repetitious going over of a matter in one's mind 
because it is the chief concern of life. And so meditation is pondering. It's pondering for the purpose of hearing God's voice. And it's clear from Scripture that that when read in this way, Scripture actually has the ability to change us. In the book of Hebrews, we read that the Word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word, when meditated on, when, when read with the presence of the Holy Spirit, it has the ability to be alive and active and to change us. And so meditation, the spiritual reading of scripture, is important if we want to know God, if we want to hear from God, if we want to know what God expects of us. And yet, if I read through scripture, I never find any exact instructions on how to meditate. This is a little frustrating for me sometimes because I've got a fairly logical mind and I would really like it if God would just say, here's a five-step process. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then you will have meditated on scripture. But I can't find it. Don't see it. And really, when I think about it, I think, you know what, that actually maybe makes some sense if we think about the fact that God created each of us unique And in different ways, that God's going to speak to us maybe in some different ways. And so maybe there's not just one way. And so I'm not going to stand here this morning and give you just a prescription that this is how you do it. But I do believe that meditation on scripture is important. And so I at least want to give you some starting points. And so I want to share with you two things. One is from my own experience One is from a long history of Christian tradition um, that I think can be starting points for considering how we can meditate on Scripture. So first of all, from my own experience. I've noticed that there's places in life that I naturally ponder. And as we've just seen, pondering is really the same thing as meditating. A prime example of this for many people, or that you'll hear um, people talk about, is in the shower. People talk about having their shower thoughts, where they somehow are more creative for those few minutes. They'll think about things that they might not normally think about, um, and they'll ponder things there. For myself personally, that place is actually in my car. If I'm driving somewhere alone, perhaps driving to work, perhaps driving to school, I naturally ponder. I think things over. And for myself, normally what I do when I get into the car is I'll turn on some music or I'll turn on sports radio. And if I turn on sports radio, what I've noticed is, of course, as I said before, I'm a big sports fan. And as the guys on there, they start talking about it and I start to ponder sports. I start to think, hey, when are the Flames going to clinch a playoff spot? 
how many points is Gaudreau going to score this year? How are we going to do once the playoffs come? And I start to, you know, go over all this in my mind and thinking really deeply about it. And then what I've realized is I'm pondering and I can change that and I can instead read a scripture before I get into my car and then turn the radio off. Or I can put on an audio Bible or I can put on a podcast where there's guys talking about scripture and, and the ways that God speaks to us through it. And when I do that, well, then what do I ponder? I ponder scripture. And this has actually been really powerful, me, powerful for me at various times where I've done exactly that and where God really deeply has spoken to me. Um, and so what I encourage you is think about the places that you naturally ponder. And consider, can I use those places to ponder scripture? I also want to give you something from Christian tradition. Something called Lectio Divina. It's the Latin that simply means the divine reading of scripture. It's a tradition that's been around for thousands of years, since at least the 6th century. And it's taken many forms. Um, And I'm not going to give you a full breakdown of exactly what it's looked like in, in different traditions or whatever. I encourage you, look it up after, because I think it's a good exercise. But what I'd actually like us to do this morning is actually try to practice it for just a few minutes. And so the basic idea is that we read a scripture, and then we just allow God to speak. We sit in silence, we allow him to speak, and then we respond to him in prayer. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to, in just a second, I'm going to put up a scripture here, a longer section from Psalm 119. And if you'd like, you can turn there in your Bibles as well. We'll start at verse 103. And we're going to sit in silence for just a few moments. Then I'm going to read it twice. And I want you to notice, where do I hear God speaking to me? What verse, what phrase, what image, because there's several good images used in this passage. What verse, phrase, image do I notice? What sticks out to me? And then I'm going to ponder that. We're going to take a few minutes and we're just going to ponder to meditate on scripture. And if you need some guidance with that, we'll put some questions up on the screen and you can use those to to guide your ponderings. And then once you've done that for a few minutes, you can respond to God in prayer. So we'll, uh, we'll take a few minutes to do this. It'll be a few minutes of silence and I don't know about you, but sometimes that's a little uncomfortable for me. Um, But that's okay. We'll be uncomfortable together. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give us about 10 seconds of silence, and then I'm going to read. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. 
I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. I'll read it one more time. Notice what sticks out to you. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. We'll spend a few minutes in silence. I'm going to finish with a prayer. I encourage you, as I'm praying, even to to lift up your own prayer to God as well about what he's spoken to you these last few minutes. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God that loves us, a God that cares for us. I thank you that you're a God that has given us your word to sustain us and to preserve us. And God, I know that when I struggle, when I have questions, it's not always my first inclination to look to your word. And yet I, I see the psalmist saying, preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. And God, I pray that that would be my cry as well, that that would be our cry as well. That we would look to your word to hear your voice, to know you, God. Pray that through your spirit, that you would strengthen us by your word, that you would speak to us. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.